0: All right, the only thing that's going to set us free is the Word. So it's Galatians chapter one, and uh, I ended with verse four, and I'm going to pick up with verse four because I didn't finish it. I got to the phrase "this present evil age" and went Pentecostal, (laughs) and uh, got some stuff off my chest, and so praise God. But we're going to finish that verse, and then we'll read on to verse nine. So Galatians one four says, "Jesus gave himself for our sins." that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you receive, let him be accursed. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that's filled with the nutrients that we need as Christians. We're going to open our heart, receive it by faith, and be nourished by it this morning. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher, again, to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Let them hear for you, from you and walk away with exactly what they need. And only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's go to verse 4, start unpacking this. Who Jesus gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. And so here we find in one verse, we see the great doctrines of justification and sanctification. And so, first of all, He gave Himself for our sins on the cross, that through His shed blood, He would provide a righteousness to us, a perfect righteousness, not by our performance, not by our works, and simply when we accept Jesus, we receive His righteousness and we're born again. We become the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's called justification, just as if you'd never sinned. Because he died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. They were dealt with. If there was a sin that he hasn't dealt with, he'd have to come back, crawl on the cross, get get nailed again, and die over again for that sin. Hebrews says, for to crucify the Son of God afresh is blasphemy. And so again, he died one time, shed his blood one time. And that's the only thing the father accepts for the forgiveness of sins is shed blood. He doesn't accept apologies. Here in the Western culture, how we forgive one another is we apologize and we say, I forgive you. And so, but that's not how God forgives. The only currency God accepts for forgiveness is the shed innocent blood of a substitute. And so the blood of bulls and goats it covered sin but it was not eternal blood well Jesus Christ came being God and man and where did the divinity and the humanity of Jesus meet it met in one place in his being his blood and the blood of Jesus was the blood of God it was eternal blood and so that blood was put on the mercy seat of heaven and it cries out better things than that of Abel and that blood reaches back to the sin of Adam all the way through eternity and it's eternal blood And so it is forgiveness of our sins. We've been justified just as if we'd never sinned. But then in this verse, we talked about the doctrine of sanctification. After you're justified, then we go through a process of sanctification. What part of us do you think is saved one time for all time, is perfected for all time? It's our spirit man. And so if you're born again, your spirit has been saved. It has been perfected one time for all time. It looks just like Jesus. And so that's where we're to live out of by renewing our mind to our identity. And that's really the second part is called our soul. Our soul needs to be sanctified. It needs to be purified. And how you do it's by the renewing of the mind, renewing our mind to our identity in Christ Jesus. And so that's a process. And your peanut needs to go through a process of roasting. Praise God. And so that's a process of our soul. And then one day we'll have the redemption of our body. We're going to have a glorified body one day. Praise God, this is not good as it gets. We're going to have a resurrection body looks just like Jesus. So spirit, soul, and body will look just like Jesus on the other side. But now we're working, this is a process of our soul that we're being delivered from this present evil age. And so again, let's look at this word deliver. It means to lift up out of. And so how does that take place? How is our soul going to be lifted out of this present age? It's called purification of our soul, called sanctification. Turn to 1 Peter 1, look at verse 22. 1 Peter 1, look at verse 22. It says, since you have purified your spirits in obeying the truth, I'm sorry, clueless translation. (laughs) What does it say? Since you've, you've purified your souls, how is your soul going to be purified? By obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And the word obey is synonymous with the word believe in the New Testament. And so there's many verses that bring this out. He says, matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 5 talks about that Jesus became the author of salvation to those who obey him. That doesn't mean your salvation is based on obeying the commandments of God. No, it's upon believing in Jesus. And so it's interchangeable in the New Testament. Obedience is faith. When you put your faith in Jesus, that's seen as obedience to the Father. So put that in there. Since you have purified your souls in believing the truth through the Holy Spirit. And so it's through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. He gives you revelation, but then he gives you the power to live it out. Under the law, the Lord told you what to do, but gave you no power, gave you no help. There was no help under the law. You had to come up with the resources. But in the new covenant, God not only gives you revelation of his will, but empowers you by the indwelling Holy Spirit to carry it out. We're not to do it by willpower. The Christian life is never to live by willpower, but by spirit power. So he's put that spirit on the inside of you, connected to your spirit, as a power plant to draw from. And so it says that he might deliver us from this present evil age. What is the word might use? Well, first of all, in salvation, that the word might is he died for everybody, but not everybody automatically is saved. And so that's a decision each person has to make. And so some will, some won't. And so, but he made that provision for salvation. But in sanctification, there's still a word might. Because how are we sanctified? We're sanctified through continuing to meditate in the word, look and behold in the word, see how Jesus is in the word, and then believe as he is, so am I in this present world. And so you got to stay in the word for that process to work. Second, Second Corinthians 3.18 is a life verse for me. It says, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God. And so it's by the Spirit of God, but as we behold in the Word as He is and believe. Behold and believe. Say, behold and believe. Behold. One more time, Behold and believe. Behold. As He is, so am I in this present world. A transformation from the inside out the word transform is the word we get the metamorphosis from metamorpho means to to outwardly exhibit what's been locked up on the inside and so in our spirit we have the very DNA of God and when we behold Jesus as he is and keep beholding then what's on the inside is released and it starts developing us on the outside exactly what we were on the inside tell someone you're a beautiful butterfly But not just any butterfly, a monarch, a king to rule, sanctification. But some have have been in the word but stopped. They've stopped that process. They stopped being a disciple. I didn't say they stopped being saved. You can be a convert, you can be saved and not be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gives a, a, gives a definition in his own words of what a disciple of his disciple is. Look in John 8, look at verse 31. This is Jesus' uh, definition of a disciple. John 8, 31 says, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed, say believed, believe. on him, that's called justification, if, if you continue, say continue, this is the King James, um, the New King James says abide, the same word. So in the King James says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. This brings up, what's the definition of Jesus for a disciple? One who continues in the word. The next verse says, if you'll continue in his word, then you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Didn't say you'll make yourself free, the truth will do it. And so then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word. This brings out the fact that you can be a disciple one day and cease being one the next day. How do you cease becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? You don't continue in his word. You go to something else. You go to the world instead of the word. And so it says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And that's the process of sanctification. And so being delivered from this present evil age is not referring to the end time rapture thank god one day the church will be raptured out but he spoke to this christians he spoke this to christians throughout church history and 2,000 years ago he spoke this was god's will to pull you up out of this present evil age so this is not referring to the end time rapture that's going to come this is talking about in your life right now he wants you free from this from the control of this evil present world and so we find out what is in this present evil world. Well, First John tells us that what's in the, in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what comprises the world. And so we're, we are set free from that. And so this present evil age is something that took place when Jesus left the earth. He was the light of the world when he left. Darkness plunged the earth. And so he's going to be gone for 2,000 years. He's going to come back. And then in the millennium, it's going to be the age of enlightenment, the age of light around the earth. The knowledge of God will cover the earth like the seas of the ocean. And so the knowledge of God is going to be there. And so while Jesus is gone, it's called the evil present world. It's a dark age that we live in. But, he got, but God didn't leave the world without light. Because when the sun goes down, what is the governing light? The moon now the moon's in different phases and throughout church history the moon had been in different phases there's been times in church history where it's a little little fingernail you could barely see any light coming sometimes it just seemed like it was totally eclipsed during the dark ages but there's been times when the church has shined in the fullness of its glory and i think we're coming into it but you know the moon doesn't have light of itself what is the moon? Where does the light of the moon come from? It comes from the sun, reflecting the sun. As it opens itself up to the sun, it reflects the light. As a Christian, you're the moon in the dark world. The church is the moon shining and governing, giving a light of the glory of God through the gospel. And so faith in Christ overcomes the world. And, and the verse I talked about that had the what was in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes—that's First John 2:16. If you're taking notes, and so we often talk about the sweet by and by. We sing about it. Oh, want to be when we get to heaven? And well, I'm not. A, I guess I'm not a singer. <laughs> There's a song, something like that. Oh, how wonderful be on the by and by when we get to heaven. But you know, I live in the nasty now and now. I need help in the nasty now and now. So how am I going to get help? Well, he's given you two resources for the now and now. It is called the word of God and the Holy Spirit. The word of God and the Holy Spirit. As you meditate on the word, behold, Jesus, as he is, so are you. He's a king, so are you. He's a priest, so are you. He's righteous, so are you. He is holy, so are you. He's healed, so are you. He's free, so are you. And faith says, I believe it. I speak it out. That's who I am. And so but then it's by the Holy Spirit praying in tongues praying in the Spirit praying out of my spirit to the Father so so those are the two resources he's given us but so often we say we're not happy with those resources we want something else no tell someone stick with the resources God's given you amen at salvation did you notice you weren't taken physically to heaven when you accepted Jesus you weren't privately raptured. Why? You were left here with a commission, a, an assignment. That's called the Great Commission. We talked about that last week. If you didn't get that message, then listen to it. And we talked about the Great Commission. By and large, the church has given up the teaching and preaching of the Word of God and the Great Commission. And when, when, that, when that's been given up, there's a vacuum, and the enemy will come in and fill it with a bunch of other stuff. And so, again, we have the Word of God that we need to focus on today. And so uh, we're, we're left here to be a billboard and a manifest Jesus to people around us. A Christian lives in a time period, a unique time period, between no longer and not yet. Where are you living right now? You're living in between the time of no longer and not yet. What's that mean? You're no longer of this world. When you got saved, you got ruined for sin. You used to love sin. Loved it, had a good time. When you were, when you were unsaved, you had the heart of a pig. You loved to wallow in the mud, had a great time, but then you got born again. You got a heart transplant. And you got a heart of a sheep. Everybody go, bah. You couldn't do that if you weren't saved. All you would have come up with was, you got a heart transplant. Sheep can get dirty, but they hate that. The most miserable person on the planet is not an unbeliever. It's a believer living in bondage, knowing they're called to be free. And so a Christian is in that time period between no longer and not yet. And so this is the the time we are to manifest Jesus. And it says that we're to be lifted up out of this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. It's the will of God that you be justified you be born again that's the will of God but not only that it's the will of God that you be sanctified that you go through that process of sanctification to where your soul lines up with your spirit and out of that identity you manifest Jesus in a greater way than you did yesterday and as you go on so that's the will of God look at first Thessalonians 4 look at verse 3 we're gonna find out a verse that tells us it's God's will that we be sanctified not just saved Yes, that's the will of God. But move on in the will of God into the perfect will of God. And it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, look at verse 3. For this is the will of God. Say the will of God. Raise your hand if you would like to do the will of God. Raise your other hand if you really want to do the will. Raise the foot if you... Well, here it is. You want the will of God? Here it is. Well, I thought you would tell me where I'm supposed to go on my ministry trip. Or where I'm supposed to go. Who I'm supposed to marry. No, before you get to that, you've got to settle this. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That means your soul. That you, should not, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That's the will of God. Verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess your own vessel, that's your body, in sanctification and honor. That's something you must learn. And, and so the grace of God teaches us. And so we must learn how to yield to the grace of God, pull on the grace of God by faith, and and, uh, walk out our true identity, and then we will do that in sanctification and honor. Look at verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know forever we're going to be giving God glory? You think, well, you know, have you ever thought about forever and ever? Have you ever tried to think that, and it blows the circuit? So I mean, start so smoke start coming out, never, ever ending, never, ever, 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 ever. And you think about those in hell, never, ever, ever, ever. And you say, "Well, yeah, I might be bored." No, no, no. When you when you see that God is infinite in His glory, I believe you know the angels. It says that they they fly around the throne, and they forever sing holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty that was and is and is to come. That's all they do. You think, oh, how boring could that get? No, but every time they make a revolution and come back around and see the Father, they get a fresh revelation of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Trinity that was and is and is to come. Glory is a word that, bless you, Glory is a word that, doxa in the Greek, is a word that expresses all that God is in his being, his nature, character, power, and acts. The basic idea of doxa is manifestation. The glory of God is the manifestation of God. And so he's going to receive glory forever and ever, amen. The word of God is concluded. You know the last word of the Bible, amen. amen. Amen, so it is, so it will be. And Jesus is called the um, Amen himself in Revelation 3.14. He's the beginning and the end. He is the Amen. Amen. Look at verse 6. I marvel. Usually he starts uh, in most of his letters, he says, you know what? I'm so grateful. I see God in you guys. I'm so thankful for you. And, And you have this going on. You have that going on. And he just gets right into it, and he is angry. He is angry at what the Judaizers, the the religious teachers of the day, had come in and had turned the eyes of this congregation off of Jesus onto works, onto them trying to clean themselves up. And it was bringing them to bondage because legalism promises you freedom but never gets you there and actually brings you into bondage. And so he's mad. He's pounding the table. Not that he's mad at the people. He's mad at the devil. He's mad at these Judaizers. And he brings out a fact that I marvel. You have to hear how he's saying this. I marvel. It's amazing to me. It amazes me how you're turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Look at the word marvel. It means shocked, amazed at what is unexpected. He had no, he, This is at the beginning of his ministry. It's the first letter he wrote. And what shocks him now won't shock him later. But he's shocked. How can a Christian be so on fire, jump up and down the aisles on Sunday and turn away from the word on Monday? And he's shocked at that happening. Well, Jesus said it would take place. And so, look at the Amplified Classic version of this verse. This is uh, verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, in the Amplified Classic. Paul said, I'm surprised and astonished that you're so quickly turning renegade and deserting him who invited you and called you by the grace, unmerited favor of Christ, the Messiah, and that you're transferring your allegiance to a different, even an oppositional gospel. I'm shocked. I'm astonished. In essence, Paul is saying that they were, they were being spiritual turncoats. I want you to see the word turning away. It's a Greek word means to exchange sides. To exchange sides. It's a military term. It's the soldiers on one side actually secretly going over onto the other side and joining the army. This is being a Benedict Arnold. I love history, and studying Benedict Arnold, why in the world would he change sides over, you only change sides to another army for two reasons. First of all, you think you're on the losing side, or you're not getting what you think you deserve on this side, or as soon as you think on this side, so you go to the other side to get it. And that's what Benedict Arnold did, is he got passed over for promotions. Other ones younger than him would become general, and he wouldn't get it. And he started to get angry, and he loved money, and he wasn't getting the, the financial remuneration from his services. And so all of a sudden, slowly, he, he actually married a, a Tory. A Tory was someone that was in favor of the British. He actually married a Tory. She kind of influenced him also. It's very important who you marry. It's very important who you hang out with. And so before long, the, he, decide, he defects to the other side, the losing side. And he thought he was winning out, but he actually ended up becoming a disgrace on both sides, America and Britain. Britain never accepted him. And so, again, uh, Paul says, you're turning a renegade. You're becoming a spiritual turncoat. And so the Galatians were in the process of abandoning They hadn't completely gone over to the other side. They're contemplating that. They started to listen to the, the Judaizers. And Galatians says you're in the process of abandoning the good news of the grace of Christ to change sides to an opposing message of work salvation. And so tell someone don't be a Benedict Arnold. (laughs) Again, why does someone defect from one army to the other side? They either feel they're not on the winning side, or they can be benefited better Or quicker being on the other side. Sometimes things do not come to us as fast as we like under the life of grace and faith. Oftentimes, trusting the promises of God, things don't come to us as quickly as we would like under grace and faith. And the tendency is, okay, well, I'll help God out. Have you ever tried to help God out? and take your way to try to get Well, obviously god says god only helps those who help themselves Psst. chapter and verse give me chapter and verse there's no chapter and verse that says that but you have to go renegade to the word and you leave you leave grace and faith and you try to make it happen in your own self that's what abraham did god gave him a promise you're going to have a child it, it wasn't happening Then Sarah one day says, You know what? Let's obviously, we got to help God out. Here's my handmaid. Here's Hagar. Got her in Egypt when you were out of the will of God. But here's, here's Hagar. Why don't you go in and sleep with her? And Abraham says, Good idea. I feel that's the will of God for me, jerk. And guess what? Gives birth to an Ishmael never was it never God never did recognize neck recognize Ishmael. do you know when he's when when Isaac did come he says take Isaac the son you love your only son yeah. he never recognized Ishmael your works he doesn't recognize and so so often we want to go off and we try to, to to microwave the promises of God because it's just God's moving too slow the promise had not come yet and we get an Ishmael or an Ishmael lady Don't be a spiritual Benedict Arnold. Hold on. You're on the winning side. Tell someone you're on the winning side. You're a winner. On a way to a victory. Now, I know this by example, by my own personal life. Uh, one of the biggest problems with a beginning water skier. Where's if you've done water skiing? That was a wonderful experience, wasn't it? One thing I learned, when you fall down, let go of the rope. <laughs> let go, let go. Or you have a mouth full of water. Because you're being dragged along under the water. One of the biggest problems with the beginning water skier is that they always try to pull back on the rope because they want to help the boat get them up. It always throws them off balance, always puts them on their face when you're trying to help the boat out. There's all the power in the world in that boat to get you up out of the water, yet you insist on helping instead of depending on the boat to do what it said he would do. And we always get off balance, and we end up doing a face plant. And he says, I'm amazed. I'm shocked that you are turning renegade so soon paul's pretty new in the ministry at this point he's shocked at how the christians that jumped and shouted on sunday have turned on monday but he learns quickly about christians jesus said this is a common occurrence for the people to turn soon from the word look at mark chapter 4 look at verse 15 mark 4 look at verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. They receive the word. Yet when they hear, Satan comes immediately. Say immediately. Immediately. And takes away the word that's sown in their hearts. Either gets their attention off of it or promises them, you can get it quicker my way. Just follow what I'm telling you to do. And quickly, that word's taken out of their heart. The flesh is very impatient. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Oh, no, pastor. Yeah, I saw you at the traffic light. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And then, God forbid, the light turn green and they don't move. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Just wanted to let them know. I don't know how I know this. It is the process of trusting God, it's in the process, say process, it's in the process of trusting God in His Word that patience has its perfect work, that we become mature, complete, and lacking nothing. And you're turning so soon from Him who called you into the grace of Christ. Who's Him? That's God the Father. We are called into grace by God the Father. The Galatians were not deserting Paul. They were deserting God, who called them into the grace of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him, that's God the Father, you're in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Here's the whole part of the salvation plan. He's the wisdom of God. The cross is his wisdom of salvation. To the world, it's foolishness. God says, no, that's my wisdom. That through the cross, salvation will be offered to all mankind. But notice that he says, not only is he our wisdom, he's our righteousness. That's called justification. We've accepted Him as the Lord and Savior. We got born again by simply putting our faith on the finished work of Jesus and became like Him perfectly in our spirit. But but hold on a second. Not only is He our righteousness, but He he is our sanctification. Often we try to become our sanctification. We we go through all kinds of ways to try to get sanctified. and, And Jesus said, I'm your sanctification. As much as I am your righteousness, I am your sanctification and redemption. That means the redemption of our body. And so he is the resurrection. So he's he's from A to Z. So what is, put in Colossians 2.6, another life verse of Joanne and I. So how are you to find freedom in this life? It's the same way you found it when you got saved. If you have any question about how to live the Christian life, go back, how did you get saved? So Colossians 2.6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So basically he's saying, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue, continue, continue. How did you get saved? Did you have to have a long process of works that you had to do to get there? no you simply it's a finished work he did the finished work i put my faith in him he became my justification well how am i supposed to live oftentimes we get saved by grace and then we go to church (laughs) and they tell us all these things we have to do to keep god happy or to 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 stay free or to get free and it says no it's the same way is Jesus did the finished work. You just put your eyes on Jesus, put your faith in him as he is, so am I, and the process works by the Holy Spirit from the inside out, from your spirit man through your soul into your body. But it's a process. And oftentimes we get tired of the process because you're going to be in that process until you die. And we slow down that process if we find any other form of sanctification. If your form of sanctification, it cannot be found in the Bible, if it can't be found in Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians and Philippians and Hebrews, if you can't find it in Romans, if you can't find it, then you borrow the world's way. Is the Bible enough? You put your eternal salvation upon it. You've staked your eternal life based on the word of God. So why not stick with it? Why turn into a, a system you can't find in the Word? Because you put your eternal salvation to it. Well, the Bible can get me saved, but it's not enough to, for the rest of my life here. You don't say, we don't say that, but we end up by our actions going that way. From, from Him who called us into the grace of God to a different gospel. Look at the word different. It's the Greek word heteros. I love a story where where uh someone wanted to play a prank on their on the on someone so they called up said yeah yeah we heard we're from the we're from the school that johnny's at and we we've heard some bad news and we just want to let you know that johnny is a heterosexual <laughs> what i can't believe the How does this happen oh i'm gonna oh my husband's gonna get mad and at the end they realize heterosexual means they like the other sex it's not homosexual it's heterosexual and so hetero means one of the uh, something of a different kind he says you've bought into a different gospel one of a different different kind or of quality it's not the same kind Paul here called legalism a different gospel it's actually an opposition gospel when God first offered the law to Israel they rejoiced and jumped. Woohoo! 613 that's all we got to keep to be righteous and blessed, woohoo! You got any more? And guess what? They didn't even get out of the gate, and they broke the very first commandment: don't make make an image of God. They did it. They didn't get out of the gate and face planted over the first commandment: you shall have no other god before me. It appears that legalism promises freedom, blessing, and because because it puts you in control. You can work whatever you got to work to be able to get what you want. But it puts you into control. It actually leads to bondage. Look at Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who does not continue in, how many things? All things which are written in the book to do them. It puts you on your own performance. It has to put you into perfection to be able to achieve it the legalist false teachers were teaching the Galatians that their justification... No, this is very important. Listen up. This is very important. The legalists false teachers were teaching the Galatians that their justification was dependent upon their sanctification. Say it one more time. They were teaching the Galatians that their justification was dependent upon their sanctification. No, it's backwards. Our sanctification is based on our justification. False teachers change the gospel. They distort it in three ways, if you're taking notes. False teachers will always distort the gospel in one of these three ways. They will twist the truth to make it say what it was never meant to say. They subtract from the truth. They leave out crucial elements. Or here the Judaizers were doing this, number three, they added to the truth. That was the tactic of the Judaizers. Their mantra was, yes, you need Jesus and dot, dot, dot. Circumcision, Sabbath keeping, tithing. And so they put all those other things in order to be right with God and be blessed by God. You need Jesus and da, 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 da. Well, you know, today we look at them and say, how foolish can they be? But how often do we put Jesus and dot, 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 dot? Beware of a movement in our day known as the Hebrew Roots Movement. The Hebrew Roots Movement. I'll probably get some emails from this, but I'm sorry. I, got, I, got it. I just got to go with the Word. I'm sorry. That's my calling. I'd be unfaithful to God if I don't teach and preach the Word. And I'm going to make some people mad. I'm sorry. I love you. Say, I love. I love. Brother Dwayne. I know he gets love. <laughs> Beware a movement in our day known as the Hebrew Roots Movement. It's so common that people get enamored by everything Jewish. And they want to go back and explore and celebrate the Jewish roots of Christianity. But And so they they put on the prayer shaws and they go through the, the feast and they, they recognize the feast and worship the feast and... And they do the Seder meals. And, and say, I'm all for that if you see Jesus in it. Yeah. And if you want to learn the Jewishness, I'm all for that. But don't think you're more spiritual. Right. Don't think you're closer to God, more holy and more righteous because you put a prayer shawl on. But I feel God so much more. Error. It's the blood of Jesus that brings you near to God. Yeah. Not through your works. I just feel more holy on Saturday. Because that's when the Sabbath day. No football on Saturday. My wife says, Yay, man. Okay. But that's fine to go learn about these things. But guess what? Usually what happens when you go back? You also pick up the law and bring the law and bring bondage back into your life. There's only two religions in the world. Oh, no, Pat, There's I can name No, no, there's only two. One religion, regardless of its name, teaches one can work their way to God. This is true in some form of every religion in the world. True religion teaches Jesus has accomplished. Say accomplished, accomplished. The work of redemption, having paid the redemption price in full and gives us the gift and would be received by faith and that's not only justification but it's also sanctification he is our sanctification nothing else he is seven verse seven which is not another the word another is the word alas which means the same quality and character this gospel is not one of the same quality and character of the gospel of Jesus Christ but there are some who would trouble you And want to pervert the gospel of Christ. The some were Judaizers. They were Jews that claimed Jesus as their Messiah. But taught you also needed to add obedience to the law. To be righteous and blessed by God. Paul calls them in the next chapter false brethren. False brethren. They're not saved. How do you know you're not saved? Because you're justified by faith in Jesus Christ alone. By faith. They said my salvation is Jesus and me. You can't get to heaven with Jesus and you. Tell someone, leave you off. off. You're not your justification and you're not your sanctification. You never were. Trouble you. This Greek word means to agitate, kind of like a washing machine. Whenever I'm doing washing, (laughs) it means to agitate. Like, that's why I'm so agitated. All that laundry I'm doing. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm happy doing laundry. Because it makes her so happy. I start I start working in their house. She gets romantic. It's like, so it's it's bound. Uh, you don't have the pink microphone anymore, do you? I hit it. We don't even know where it is now. Okay, I'm sorry. The word trouble you. Legalism and personal performance of our standing with God will always produce anxiety. God will, uh, it will always produce anxiety and distress and inward shaking of the heart. We will always be in the treadmill of condemnation in an effort to be perfect for God. I don't know if you've come out of that, to where your salvation, your, your 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 justifications depend on your sanctification, and, and we're never perfect in, in our in our behavior. And, and but if you if you feel like your identity and your position with God's based on your performance, you'll always be agitated, always be unstable, Christian. You will never rest under legalism. That is why Jesus told the religious Jews, Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you more to do. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a lot of church. Get saved and I'll give you more to do. Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everybody go, I'm resting in Jesus. Now to get up and be empowered by the power of God to do more than what you did before in the flesh. When our faith is in the perfect finished work of Christ, then our heart can be at peace. Romans 5.1 Therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to do a check of your life and heart. Do a heart check. Do you have a high level of anxiety and trouble in your heart? Check your heart this week. This last this week. Where's been the level in my heart of peace versus anxiety, worry, frustration, agitation? That that shows that you've moved out of the gospel of grace onto your own performance and your own works. Performance and legalistic minded people trouble people. Troubled people (laughs) trouble people. And they will cause others to be troubled. And, And notice these Judaizers, they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. This is malicious false teaching. Why? Because these are servants of Satan who wanted to pervert the gospel of grace because they hated it, loathed it. The religious person hates grace because they want to be a part of their salvation. They want to work whatever they work in order to get what they, on the other side of it, the carrot at the end of the stick, but you never get there. And they hate simple grace and faith. So they did everything they could to pervert it, to twist it. The word pervert means to turn around, turn around in the opposite direction. Those who preach legalism and works to have or maintain a standing with God turn the gospel in the opposite direction. The the gospel turns you to Jesus. Your eyes are always on Jesus, but, but... Legalism always turns your focus away from Jesus back on you. Always. The only other place this Greek word for pervert is used is Acts 2.20. And it says there the sun will be turned to darkness. Opposite of light, darkness. What does this word mean? It basically means that you basically turn the light of the gospel into darkness. Note this. It's impossible to believe a perverted gospel and not live a perverted life. Let me say that again. It's impossible to believe a perverted gospel and not live a perverted life. Our belief system will dictate the way we live. The gospel truth is that we don't change the gospel to suit us, but the gospel changes us to suit God. Let me repeat that again. The gospel truth is that we don't change the gospel to suit us, but the gospel changes us to suit God. If we change the gospel to another gospel, it no longer has the power to change us in our soul and actions. The best way to defend our mind from error and false teaching is to be continually meditating on the truth of Jesus Christ. And as we continually meditate on who he is right now at the right hand of the Father and believe as he is, so am I in this present world. We will defend ourselves from all error and false ways. The Guys, this is simple. If you have your eyes on Jesus, you're on the truth. You have your eyes on anything else, you're off. I'm trying to make it simple. Put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Put shoe leather on theology. I'm going to say, if you have your eyes on Jesus and his finished work and who he is and believing as he is, so are you, you got, you're right on the right track. It may take longer than you want there, but you're on the right track. You're getting there. You get your eyes off and anything else, get it on you, get it on anything else, you're off, base. And it promises you you're going to get there, but you're not. You're getting further and further away. Do you know federal agents that, that actually are hired in the counterfeit department? You know how they're trained? For weeks, they don't look at a single false bill for weeks. How are they trained? They spend weeks, days, and hours, and hours, and weeks examining the real deal. Federal agents are trained to recognize counterfeit $20 bills by spending what seems like an inordinate amount of time meditating on the genuine ones. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so guess what? You can spend all your time trying to figure out what's the devil doing? What's what they Oh, he's doing that? Oh, God. You got to learn that. You got to learn... You got to... You got to be a wage. What do you... No, no, no. You need to be masters of the truth. Be immersed in the truth so that anything doesn't match that. It's wrong. No, we want to immerse ourselves in the bad news networks instead of the good news. The devil hasn't changed. What he's doing hasn't changed from day one. He's lying. Well, I need to know all the lies. No, you don't. Know the truth. Anything that doesn't line up with the truth, there's a lie. Well, I just watch that all day long so I can pray. Really? Because <laughs> you're so depressed and agitated and mad and angry. Boy, you're in faith, aren't you? <laughs> Verse 8. But even if we, that's St. Paul and his team. If we are an angel from heaven, comes into your bedroom shining like the morning sun and you get goose pimples i don't know what that is but those are bumps on your goosebumps if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what you have been been, been, already been preached to you let him be accursed Look at the word if it's the third class conditional and it's hypothetically speaking because there's probably little chance that Paul is going to get off base and start teaching an opposite gospel and an angel from heaven is not going a true angel is not going to try to get you into false doctrine but let me tell you what will Satan will he comes as an angel of light with a different gospel do you know we have a major uh, cult today in the earth I'm just gonna say it's Mormonism that Joseph Smith had an encounter with an angel called Moroni, which gave him revelation beyond the gospel we have and and added gospel. And it's, oh, by the way, we all had preexistence in eternity in the past, and we were gods. And we had to become man to be able to be purified in order to be a god to create worlds of our own. That one day you'll be, and God was an exalted man in the past. He got that from an angel, Moroni, which which the the root of that, moron. (laughs) Tell someone, don't be a moron. Don't be a moron. What does this bring out? that it was possible that Paul possibly could end up getting off and start teaching false doctrine. Your favorite Bible teacher, your pastor, I don't care how long they've been in the ministry or how solid they have been, could possibly get off and turn from the Word of God. And what are you going to do? Well, they're, you know, that's my pastor. That that that's my you know I I went to Bible school. And whatever he says, that's it. Danger, danger, danger. Andrew Womack himself would say, if I start preaching something else, don't listen to me anymore. Check everything out I'm saying with the word. There's Bereans that Jesus that Paul himself, the, the most revelatory preacher of all time. He preached the word, and those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And what did did Paul call noble? They They listened eagerly for Paul's message, but they checked it out with the word daily to see if it was so or not. Be a noble Berean. And I don't care who it is, if they start preaching outside the word, stop listening to them. let him be accursed anathema in the Greek anathema means devoted to destruction also it means to cut off from God's people those who do not accept the true gospel of Jesus Christ which is faith in Christ's death burial and resurrection for salvation will be anathema that means they have no hope of being redeemed there's an example of those being cursed in the Old Testament without any hope of being ransomed from slavery called the Gibeonites. In Joshua 9.23, it says, Now therefore you are cursed, Gibeonites, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of God. There's no hope for them to be redeemed out out of slavery. They were cursed, anathema. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke anathema, in Matthew 25, 41, it says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, some grace teachers today are, not, some grace teachers are nothing more than universalists. Yeah. A teacher, just because Jesus died, everybody's saved. They don't like verses like this. They, they, they leave those out and cherry pick other scriptures that back up what they say. 1 Corinthians 16.22 says, If any person does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, he will be anathema. He'll be anathema. Titus 3.10. We're almost done. There's hope. We're landing. Don't unbuckle. Those who deviate from the truth of the message of the gospel are called heretics. Titus 3.10. What are we to do with heretics? Reject. That's not loving. Mm -hmm. I mean, above all, Christians should be loving, right? What does it say? Go to verse 11. Knowing that such a person is warped in a sinning being self-condemned. They're a heretic. So this word, a curse, means to be devoted to destruction, but also means to cut off. Paul is saying if anyone, even himself, starts to preach a gospel, cut him off. If any teacher you're listening to starts to preach something other than the gospel in the New Testament, cut them off. I don't care who they are. Verse 9, we're ending here. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what has been received, let him be accursed. He repeats himself because you didn't get it on the. No, he didn't really mean that. Yeah, he means it. As we have said before, now I say again, if, look at the word if, that's not a third class conditional, which is hypothetical. This is a first class conditional, and this is, it's happening. It's not us and it's not an angel, but there's someone else that's perverting the gospel. And preaching an opposite gospel and let them be a curse they're called the Judaizers as we've said before now I say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you receive and it's happening beware if you ask a teacher for scriptures backing up what they're teaching and they get mad at you danger danger if I'm teaching something and I don't and I try to back it up with scripture email me and say can you give me chapter and verse? That's awesome. Love that. And I might go back and say, you know what? I don't have backup. That's some stinking thinking. I accepted something that wasn't based in the word. Thank you. It's happened a couple of times. You received. let him be accursed. He says it again. Cut them off. You know, some of you may need to cut off some Facebook profits. Defriend, unfollow. That wouldn't be loving. You need to cut off some Facebook profits that are listed as friends, stop listening to them, and stop reading their posts. Well, I want to be open minded. Well, your brain's about to fall out. <laughs> On the non negotiables, I'm closed minded. On things outside of that, I'm open-minded. I want to learn your, what do you think about eschatology? What do you think about the gifts of the, I'm open to, to learn a different thing. But when it comes to the virgin birth of Jesus, the deity of Jesus Christ, the sinlessness of Jesus, the atonement for our sins on the cross, salvation by grace through faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ physically from the dead, eternal heaven and hell, I am closed-minded. I'm not going to read a post. I'm not going to read a book. It's closed for me. I've made my decision. It's over. Yeah. But there's so many Christians, they, they get off in this area and listen to plausible, oh, well, maybe that makes sense. And all of a sudden, they, 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 they and also the Bible is the very word of God. I'm not going to listen to you argue me that the Bible is not God's word, and you use the Bible to do it with. They'll teach you, you don't need the Bible, and they'll use the Bible to back up what they're saying. I ain't reading it. I'm not open to discuss it. Billy Graham had a a dark hour of the soul, where he was listening and reading about writers that were writing that the Word of God was not God's Word. And he was like you know what i have to decide this i can't i can't go preach this gospel if i don't know this is god's word and he went through a period of time to where he really struggled is this god's word or not god's word and one day praying it through it just hit his heart this is the very word of god and from now on it's a closed book no more i'm not entertaining it anymore let's bow our heads father we just thank you so much for your word and you say Pastor, there's some promises out of God's word that has not taken place in my life yet. And I haven't seen the word work like it says it's going to work. And I'm tempted to kind of go off and abandon that and just kind of trying to figure it out my own way. Or try to help God or try to do something to, to get there myself. And you say, today I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to turn renegade. I'm not going to be a Benedict Arnold on God's promises and and His grace and faith. I'm going to continue in the process of being a disciple. And yeah, I haven't yet seen everything yet, but I'm going to stay on track. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Father, I thank you right now, Father, that you would give them the patience of the Holy Spirit to keep carrying on trusting you. And I thank you that your word will come forth. The manifestation is on the way. The glory of God will be manifested. And it'll be better than they could ever do it themselves. And so, Lord, I thank you for ministering this to human hearts. They're in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship God.